Let's stand to our feet. Take that offering. And let's bless it this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get to minister to you this way and to get to co-labor with you this way. We speak life over this seed. Lord, we know some seed we eat and some seed we plant. This morning we're planting. And Lord, we know that it's going to come right back to us so we can give it again and again and again. We want to be faithful as we bring the tithes and as we give the offerings. We thank you, Lord, that the uncompromised gospel is going to continue to go forth from this place because your people are faithful and obedient. And we give quickly this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome Pastor Todd as he comes this morning. the Lord. The Lord is faithful. He's worthy to be praised. Are you ready for some good news? The devil is a loser. And Jesus is victorious. I, uh, I have a friend in Kentucky that uh, his name's Pastor Allen, and he loves to do ministry in prisons, and I am thankful for people that are called to do ministry in prisons, amen? And um, I, I was in a pastor's conference in Kentucky, and he informed me that one of the most requested books into the prison right now is the Speaking in Tongues book. Yeah. And they're distributing them as fast as they possibly can. And he, and he stood up at the conference and he said, you know, we would like to get some other books into the, into the uh, prison because there's a revival happening in prison. Yeah. Can, can you imagine hundreds of prisoners from their incarcerated state, seeking God. They can't evangelize outside their quarters, obviously, in the prison, but they can impact entire regions. Can you imagine those individuals being taught how to pray? And on the podium of what they're teaching and they're getting are these copies of Unless We Pray being sewn into them uh, by people just saying, I'm going to give 30 uh, copies, 20 copies, 15 copies, 100 copies, and take them and distribute them into prisons. The fastest way to rehabilitate a prisoner I think is to get them in love with Jesus, learning how to commune with Jesus, and they and they have set in place a um, a generational curse, if you will, down the line, unless it is broken. And these men and these women, they're just men here, can pray in prison so that the generational curse is broken off of their teenagers that they're away from. Come on now, is that not unbelievable? 
I mean, just look at that for just a moment. A couple of weeks ago here, it may have been 10 days now, maybe, uh, I think it was just over 10 days, our food bank, which feeds, I don't know, hundreds of people every week, uh, a gentleman walked in into the food bank with his feet looking like that, four toes on the right. It's called Burger's Disease. And our food pantry ministry is just not about meeting physical needs, but about spiritual needs. There's no telling how many people they've led to the Lord, they've ministered to every Thursday, uh, rain, snow, sleet, whatever, they're out there. They gathered around him, the food bank ministry team gathered around him and just prayed over him. And in one day, one, one day, In one day, touch your neighbor and say, don't miss what God's doing in the water, out out of the water. It doesn't matter. We're just going to believe God with you, for you. It's absolutely amazing. He's doing works all over. He's doing it in the food ministry. Uh, He's doing it in prisons. He's doing it in these waters. This lady, I don't know if Pastor Abigail is here, but this precious lady was here last week. And uh, it's a beautiful picture because <laughs> she came and she got baptized last Sunday, sick in her body, cancer, I think, is in her body. I don't know who ministered to her, but uh, unable to eat, unable to eat hardly anything. She gets such an encounter with God in the water that they stopped on the way home to McDonald's. And ate a half a cheeseburger. Come on now. Abigail, so filled with faith that night, took some washcloths and dipped them in the baptismal pool. Uh, There was a gentleman. I just want you to listen to this. They'll have a little bit of audio on this. So if if you'll listen to this, they applied a washcloth to him Listen to the story. Gary, what did God just do for you, Gary? I've been healed. I've been set free. What did God do? From pain in my lower back. Oh, yeah? I can touch my toes. I can bend. What you, what we got? I can go all the way down. I couldn't even bend over. Oh, come on. What did Jesus do? I've just been healed. Set free in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. You were never you weren't able to jump up and down. I wasn't able I to jump. <laughs> I could jump. Look at Jesus. Yes, God. <laughs> oh, Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> he couldn't even bend over. Eyes not seen, nor ears heard the things that God has in store for those that love him. Touch your neighbor and say, don't miss the ride. Don't miss the ride. Three miracles. Significant, large, life-changing miracles. I just want to brag on you for a moment. You're doing an exceptional job. You're absolutely amazing being able to go on our fifth anniversary in just a few, uh, two weeks from today, our fifth anniversary entering into our sixth year. And the momentum is intensifying, the presence of God 
is, is intensifying. Our prayer movement is just fire. Um, this morning we prayed, didn't we guys? We prayed this morning and it was just fire in this room. I cannot wait till tonight. Pastor Don Allen's going to be with us. Look at your Bibles, if you will, just a couple passages today. I want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 15 and also Exodus chapter uh, 21. Exodus chapter 21 and Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 12, if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free. And when you send him away from you, free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally. From your flock. I want to talk about slavery today. Not in the context of what you think. The Bible addresses slavery in this context. And when I mention that, when I say slavery, some of us may be tempted to think back into what happened into this country years and years ago. And you're thinking to yourself, there's no way slavery is bad. And I'm not here to condone or permit it. And yet your Bible seems to promote it. I thought I'd get your attention with that. And the reason that we feel outraged when a pastor or a leader talks about slavery is because we go back to what we experienced here in the South. That type of slavery was grievous, horrific, torturous, dehumanizing individuals. It was ungodly damaging on all fronts. Do you hear what I'm saying? That form of slavery that our nation experienced was basically akin to what the Israelites experienced in Egypt, but in many cases, much worse. Those forms of slavery are completely abhorrent. Do I have your attention still? Do not misunderstand what I'm wanting to say and need to say. With that being said, some of us in this room at some point or time have experienced bankruptcy. Bankruptcy's horrific in and of itself, would you agree? Losing a job, income not being what it needs to be, your business plan failed, and you entered into bankruptcy and we have courts and laws to protect us. It's estimated that 400,000 homes this next year will file bankruptcy. That's around one, less than literally a tenth of 1% of our nation's population. 
we have accommodations for bankruptcy. Do you hear me? In the Old Testament, there were accommodations for bankruptcy. And your Bible says that if you were bankrupt and you owed somebody, let's say $100,000, you borrowed $100,000 for them, perhaps to purchase a home, some land, a vineyard, business opportunity, and that business goes upside down, the person who has the, the deed of the property, if you will, is left without having any way of having that money paid back to them. You hear what I'm saying. So the Hebrews, the law set it up that if Danny borrowed $100,000 from me and something went wrong, he got sick or his family had a crisis and he could not pay it back, they didn't have the bankruptcy laws that we have but at that point, Danny would come and be my slave for the purpose, now watch this, of paying back what he owes me. So it is a different form of slavery, but it was slavery in a sense, but that individual, the laws were set up to protect, now watch this, both the individual and the landowner or the person who gave him the loan. Because after six years of serving me that, for that $100,000, he was to be set free. It not only gave him a fresh start on life, but it also he satisfied the debt that he owed me. So these laws that we find when we look at slavery have nothing to do with what we had here in the Deep South years and years and years ago. But they were initiated by God in order to protect the individual and also to protect the one who gave them the loan. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? And so for six years, this individual would do all that I needed him to do and literally got more from him because he was working to absolve a debt. Now, does that make sense to you? All right, everybody on the same page. Now, something interesting happens in this Jewish law and with these servants, if you will. Look at what it says again in verse 12. If your brother or a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you and serves six years, then in the seventh year, you shall set him free. And then when you send him away free from you, you shall not allow him to go away empty-handed. You shall supply him from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. This is beautiful in my opinion because that individual is gonna give you everything that he has because he has to work off and absorb this debt. And not only is the owner of that loan going to be blessed, but from his blessing at the seventh year, 
I am to release into his life much of my flock and from my threshing floor to bless him, to give him a new lease on life. So when you find slavery or servants, if you will, oftentimes in the Bible, this is where it comes from. It's not pro-slavery the way we had it in the, in, 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 in the deep south years and years ago. But God is giving a provision, now this is beautiful, to take care of him, his family, and my family, so there is a win-win situation. Do you find this interesting? Now, these slaves were not to be mistreated, dehumanized, even though I'm sure in many cases they were. But they could not, according to the law, be forced to work for me the seventh year. My debt or your debt to me is completely eradicated. It's gone. Something interesting happens. Look at Exodus. Hold your spot in Deuteronomy 15. The same law is repeated in Exodus chapter 21. Find it, Exodus 21. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Verse four, if his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. Now watch this. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. Deuteronomy chapter 15, or excuse me, yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day today. And if it happens that he says to you, I do not want to go away from you, because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you. Now stop. In many of the cases in Israel, when they would come under this financial obligation that the master that you owe the money to, that your life would be so blessed in serving in that home. You have a roof over your head. You have no pressure other than to serve, to do what you're asked to do, chores and duties, responsibilities. And you find that you are not only blessing the master, but the master's blessing you and your life is really good. You've never had it so good. And at the end of the six years, the, the individual, Danny, stand up. You could come to me and say to me, my life has been so blessed I've not had so many blessings in my life other than coming to right here. This is the bountiful blessings. I do not want to be sent away. But I want to continue to be your servant. Think about that for just a moment. You want to continue to serve me because you have seen the blessings of God on the master and you have also seen the blessings of God on your family. There is a ritual that takes place in order for this to happen that I found quite intriguing because he's about to make a commitment that he can never, ever walk away from. 
even though he has the choice by law after serving his debt for six years, after serving his debt, he can walk away a free man with sheep and cattle with him and plenty of food and resources to start a new life. But because he has so loved and fallen in love with the master, he says, I don't want to leave you. I want to stay with you. And your Bible says, then let's take him to the judges. And they'll ask him, are you sure this is what you want to do? Because what you're about to do is permanent and you'll never, ever have your freedom again. And your Bible tells us the ritual that was to take place. Look at it, if you will. Who's got a Bible that I can look at right quick? You're in Deuteronomy, Sean. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, in verse 16, let's read it. He says, if it happens, I will not go away with you, away from you, because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you. And then your Bible says, then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear to the door. And then he shall be your servant forever. Now, remind you, it's his choice. But because he is falling in love with the master, the master's heart, the master's home, he says, I never want to leave. And he said, are you sure that's what you want to do? He goes, that's what I want to do. So, They'd call all the family and members together. And they'd call the city together, the leaders, the magistrates, all of them, family and friends. And they'd walk him to the threshold of their door, the entrance to the master's house. And they would put his ear on the threshold. And they'd take a nail, an awl, and they would, go ahead. (laughs) And they would take his ear, and they would drive a nail into his ear and pin him to the post. The blood, the pain, And the permanent scarring, a hole that will forever remain, signifying that he no longer has the freedom to be free. But he now chooses to give his life to the master. And he'll never, ever be a free man. I don't know about you, but I see some similarities of what has to happen in the body of Christ, of which I feel has not happened to the degree that it needs to. All of us have come to Jesus with a debt. All of us have come to him owing him something. At the moment of our salvation, 
He sets us free. He cleanses us. He redeems us. Come on now. Many cases, he heals us. Our addictions are gone. Our generational curses are obliterated. The blood of Jesus covers us from the top of our head to the bottoms of our feet. And how many of us know that in this room, that some of us taste of the good things of God, and within three weeks, six weeks, three months, we no longer can be found. We get forgiven, the pressure's off of us, the shame is gone, he rescues us, he comes to our deliverance, and all of a sudden, all of that goodness, we walk away from it to live our own lives. And you know what's beautiful about this? He gives you the freedom to make that choice. But there is something happening within the body of Christ. There is something going on that is deeper than deep. There is something that is happening within the, listen, within the, the, the church of the living God. I think that we are coming to a point of where we are frustrated with the shallowness of our Christianity and our depth and our walk with God. We know that there has to be more. We know that there has to be something else. Many of us, many of us keep coming back to God. I need help. I need deliverance. I need to be set free. And he sets us free over and over again. And we run back into the world, right back into the relationships, right back into the pornography, right back into the drugs, right back into the lying and the stealing and the mischievousness. God is saying, I need you to make a decision. One that's going to affect your entire life. One that is going to change your entire perspective. That something's going to happen to you that not only you're going to know, but everybody around you is going to know. And I need something to be fixed and I need something to be permanent. I feel it is time that the church takes their ear and says, Lord, you have been so good to me. You have blessed me bountifully and I could be free. and I can continue to do my own thing, but God, I want my ear to be pierced to the door. I don't want to leave your house. I don't want to leave the ministry. I don't want to leave serving you. I want to be yours forever. This is what's got to happen. We literally need to go to the threshing door, if you are the, flat, the threshing door there, and allow the Spirit of God to take a nail and pierce our ears so not only we know, but the whole world knows that we are now His. It is this type of life alone that makes a difference. Not the one that's in and out and carnal, up and down, inside ways, outside ways. If the weather's good, I'm committed. If my family's healthy, I'm committed. If my finances are good, I'm committed. No, God is saying, I need all of you all the time, no matter what's happening in your life. It's that type of commitment that can make a difference in our families. Your children need to see consistency. They need to see a praying father. They need to see a praying mother. They need to see that we're good. Listen, we're good when it's raining. We're good when the sun is shining. Oh, talk to me in the house. Getting awful quiet on me today. I think I'm in a room full of people that have embraced this. That's the level I'm spoken for. I belong to him. Drug dealer, 
I'm not answering my phone any longer. Pornography on my phone, I'm not even glancing at it. Not giving provision for the flesh. I belong to another. My master is... To have our ears pierced to the door. Look, if you will, very quickly at Psalm chapter 40. This practice... is necessary for the body of Christ in these hours. Psalm chapter 40, verse 6 and 8. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire. My ears you have opened. In other words, another translation, my ears you have pierced. Burnt offering and sin offering you do not require. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me, I delight to do your will, oh my God, and in your law is within my heart. He says, oh God, my ears you have pierced. Hebrews chapter 10, turn there in your scripture, verses five through 10. This is a description of the life of Jesus. Therefore, when he came into the world, everybody say Jesus. He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. He is quoting literally Psalm chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body, but a body that you have prepared for me, a body that, that's going to be literally my ear. Jesus is saying, Father, my ear is going to be nailed to the door. I am yielding my body to you. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, turn there quickly. Philippians chapter 2. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, we love you, Lord. Verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a what? Of a servant, of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. So what Jesus was basically saying, Lord, I, I lay down my rights. I lay down my destiny. I lay down my future. I, I lay down all of my desires. And Lord, I'm going to give you my body. And I want you to take this body as you pierce my ear to the door. Whatever you see fit, whatever you want from me, oh God, your, your wish is my command. Whatever you desire. I feel very strongly about this word this morning as we enter into the sixth year of the North Georgia revival. I have watched men and women and young people and children literally do this. I'm not talking about physically do this, but they have laid their lives down to serve him so that others like this could find healing and restoration and deliverance 
and miracles in their body. Literally people dying of cancer because you all have paid the price, prayed the price. You're committed to the cause. But as we venture into the sixth year to the, to the decade, can you imagine in, in literally five years from now, it will be one decade, one decade of serving him, not looking for relief, not looking, my friends, for a peaceful time. But God, my body is yours. Whatever you require of me, whatever you ask of me, if you need me to pray, I will pray. If you need me to serve, I will serve. If you need me to hold people in the water, I will hold people in the water. If you need me to display, uh, distribute food, I will do that. If you need me to walk the streets of Atlanta, I will do that. If you need me to travel, I will do that. I will do whatever you ask me to do. For I have lost my will in yours. There's someone in this room that needs to step up in a prison ministry. There are others that God is speaking to and calling you to, and, and God is saying, I need you to take revival to the prisons. For what God is doing in this house, as I watched the other day of gentlemen from Australia, I clicked on his particular website and he's preaching to his people and he's talking about Dawsonville. Blew me away. He said, there's a small church in Dawsonville, Georgia. From Australia, you've garnered the attention. Listen to me, listen to me. Please do not miss how significant what you are involved in is. And some of you are keep looking for something more grandiose, more feeling. I don't feel it like I you. Why are you looking for a feeling? Why are you looking to get stimulated? And you're going to chase one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. You are living in something that is breathing. And li listen, you are experiencing the life of God. It may not be like you like it. But how precious is what I just seen, those three miracles Change somebody's life that you served, that you guys prayed this into being. Not any person. I'm talking about a food bank individual, not a pastor. Talking about being empowered. Well, I want to go to a church where I get my needs met. I get blessing. How about going to a church where you get empowered? You don't want to put your ear on the door. You want somebody to clean out your ears. Pamper you, feed you. Eliminate your debt, but have no responsibility. You keep looking for grass on the other, greener on the other side. And you're thinking, well, I just need something for this and that. And it's just not meeting my needs. Dear God in heaven, what do you have to have more than that? That our food bank, signs and wonders happening at the food bank. I don't feel anything. Get involved in the food bank. <laughs> Too much is required of me. 
how's that going to go when you stand before him? How's that going to sound? Lord, I just had my family, too much stuff going on. And you miss a move. You miss what God's doing. I just believe like what Jesse Green said, just in the middle of a revival, don't you think the Lord could take care of your family? Huh. Okay, I digress. But as we move into the sixth year, seventh year, eighth year, ninth year, tenth year, because there's no end in sight. Vice, there's no end in sight. The only, I told our praise team today as we were meeting for communion, the only thing that will destroy this move of God is from the within. It'll disintegrate from within. Entitlement, offense, divisions, fatigue, lack of prayer. Satan has no authority over the place. The only thing that will move and all moves of God come to an end, not from this outside of persecution, because the more persecution a move of God gets, the greater it becomes. It's usually from within. Complaining, whining. Not y'all, y'all not doing that, but I'm just telling you, you just got to watch out, because you know what I'm saying? I mean, y'all not whining. Y'all are great. Y'all winners. That's a good place to say amen right there. Uh, Come on. <laughs> you feel good? All right. But anyway, can you imagine six, seven, eight, nine, ten years from now? And I was telling the praise team today, I said, guys, you, you've got to guard your heart. You've got, you got to be aware of what the devil's going to do. Yeah. We poked the bear the other day, a couple of weeks ago, or was it last Sunday, that I talked about the... The high school, what I saw, the vision that I saw over here um, in praise and worship, a dark cloud over the high school. Well, that gets mamas all upset. That gets, that gets people all upset because what do you mean there's a dark cloud over the high school? Well, are you living in, are you, your head in the sand? Or, you know, I, I know junior's poop doesn't stink, but I'm telling you there's stink above the high school. I know you think he doesn't do any wrong, and he may not do anything wrong, but there's problems in, 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 in every high school right now. And, and it's, not, it's not, I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you, we all know this. And I saw that deep, thick cloud. It was like three-quarters of a mile high, and it covered the entire campus of Dawsonville High School. I saw flashes of lightning and thunder and swirling going on in the in, in the, in, the, in, in the cloud. And, and then the next day, it continued to remain. I couldn't get it off my mind. I saw literally bodies being sucked up out of the high school into the cloud. And when life would leave them, they'll be discarded out of the cloud as trash. And the Lord gave us an instruction, gave me an instruction, I need you to handle that. I need you to deal with this. And when we did that, we poked the hornet's nest. I just need you to be aware of that. Because he doesn't mind us having our revival inside the walls of the church. But when you begin to tackle principalities and powers, all of a sudden we're going against some strongholds. Now, I don't wrestle with demons. I don't wrestle with demons. 
I don't waste my time with demons. Uh, demons are powerful. They are. Demons uh, uh, need to be respected. Even in the Old Testament, it talked about that to a certain degree, that, you know, you just don't go pick a fight with a devil, okay? Sometimes, you know, you, 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 you may get hurt. If a demon can stop the archangel three weeks from coming to answer a prayer, so even though we're more powerful than a demon, I just pick fights that I, that I, so how do I, how do I deal with the black cloud? Here's how we're going to deal with the black cloud. I'm not going to spend my time dealing with the black cloud personally climbing up into the darkness. I'm going to go into the dark, my prayer closet. See, we win oftentimes, most of the times, on our knees. We, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, the Bible says. But they're mighty in God for the what? Pulling down a stronghold. There's a stronghold over our high school. Now, when I say our high school, it can be any high school. Lumpkin County, Forsyth, all the Forsyth County high schools, even beyond that in Gainesville. I go to the private place, and that's where I do business with the Father. And in prayer, Karen, that's where I release. Now watch this. I do what Jesus taught me to do. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not interested in the main demon over the black cloud because he will clown with me. but I can prepare the way of the Lord. As John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord, he said he made the places straight. He cleared out the rubbish so that when Jesus came, he could come and preach the kingdom. So what we do in prayer, we recognize there's a problem, okay? So we don't go fight the fight ourselves to the big devil. What we do, we, we send our big brother, our savior. Now you hear what I'm saying? And we send him, Lord, we pray that your kingdom expands. We push back in prayer this darkness. And Lord, as we pray, more of us begin to pray over Dawson County High School. We know that we're, watch this, we are enlarging your territory and your influence in, the key, in that dark arena. The light is coming forth. It is spreading into the hallways. God, we are asking and we are releasing your kingdom to come. We will address certain principalities and powers as they reveal to us, but that's not my MO. We release the kingdom, and here's how we do it. God, there's someone in that high school that is the gatekeeper of the whole school. There is one influencer. There's one young man. There's one young woman. It may not be the most popular. May, it, listen, it, it, it may be someone that nobody even respects. But God, there's one person. There's one person. There's somebody in that school. If they get ignited, if they fall in love with Jesus, if they get radically saved, radically turned on to God, the light, the beam of God will come all over him. And everywhere he or she walks, the kingdom of God advances. And it...
and it dispels the darkness. I witnessed this with my own life. In our entire high school, in darkness, two people got born again. And within one month, 150 teenagers got born again. And I can point all over America how many preachers came out of that movement. Men serving in churches as elders and leaders. Women operating in the mission all over the place. I'm not worried about the cloud. I'm worried that we won't do enough to push the cloud away. When God revealed that to us and to me, it gave me another thing of weight that we have to carry. I'm not going to stress over it. I'm not going to be anxious over it. I just know, though, it's been placed on us. So what we need is this, a teenager. One. One. Just one. You make good grades. You do what you're told to do. You show up on time. You're respectful. And your good works will prepare the way for you. And God says, I'll use you. And I'll change an entire high school. If I can find one. I need one. There are hundreds, hundreds. If you ask the people at Dawson County High School, are you a Christian? 85% would say I'm a Christian. And yet, half of them are high. Half of them are drunk. Half of them are involved in pornography. I'm not giving you that stat just off the top of my head. We have heard it from someone. They're buying drugs from the local convenience stores. You can get them in the high school hallways and in the bathroom. They're going to school high. They're getting high while they're at school. And 85% of them, if you ask them, am I saved? They'll say, I'm saved. I've come to tell them, and I come to tell the devil that we're not going to tolerate the southern good old boy Christianity any longer. The most honest, listen, the most honest thing that I can do for you today is to tell you the truth. Chances are you're not born again. Chances are you're, you're either you're so far backslidden and you're so far away from God, if you died right now, you'd split hell wide open. Well, I got saved when I was in vacation Bible school. The proof that you got saved is not when you got saved. The proof is, are you still living it today? That's hard. That's hard. I'm believing God at this moment to raise up one young person. Just one. Just one. I remember in chapter two of the book, Unless We Pray, the two prayers that changed the world were this. Billy Graham's father, Franklin Graham Sr., a farmer and a businessman, gathered about four or five businessmen to pray in his barn. And they gathered in the barn right there uh, in Billy Graham's um, farm as a child. He was 15 years of age, unsaved, and they're praying in the barn, the father and five businessmen. Billy Graham's doing chores inside the barn. 
And these men prayed, God, will you change the world? And God, would you raise somebody up from Charlotte to preach the gospel to the world? Unsaved Billy Graham, 15 years of age, inside the barn, heard that prayer. Probably meant nothing to him. But those men continue to pray. God, would you raise somebody up from Charlotte to preach the gospel to the whole world? Six months later, Billy Graham walks into a Mordecai Ham evangelistic meeting. Wanted to know why the crowds were gathering. He walks in, in the very back, hears the gospel. He walks down, repents, and he gets born again. 16 years of age. Fast forward six years, 22 years of age. He's with J. Edwin Orr, a revivalist, historian, preacher, taking a tour to Charles Wesley's home in England. The students are on the, bi- are on the bus, about 20 to 25 of them. They get off the bus. They tour Charles Wesley's bedroom. They look at the bedroom. There's an aura in the presence of God that was still there. But next to his bed were two indentions on the wood floor. They asked him what the two indentions were. They said that's where Charles Wesley prayed every night. He prayed so much and for so long that he wore two indentions into the hardwood floor. Everybody gets back on the bus. J. Edwin Orr, the the, the tour guide's on the bus counting the students and he recognizes that there's one missing. He retraces his steps. He goes right back into the bedroom. And Billy Graham had placed his knees in those two worn out grooves. J. Edwin Orr is at the threshold of the door. He hears Billy Graham pray this. Oh God, would you do it again? And would you do it again with me? Oh God, would you do it again? And would you do it again with me? Six years later, he's in Los Angeles. Small tent, crusade. Then it explodes. And Billy Graham comes not only an international evangelist, but a pastor to presidents. In the barn, five men gathered. God, would you raise up somebody from Charlotte that would preach the gospel to the world? We're in a holy moment. God hears what we say. When we pray, God hears. Why is that? It's not because we're perfect. Because I believe that there are hundreds of you that put your ear to the door and say, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And he's listening to us as we pray. Could we be as bodacious and bold to pray, oh God, Would you save Dawson County High School? And oh God, would you raise someone up from our church to lead the way? Would there be a teenager strong enough and bold enough to find the grooves where your pastors and elders and leaders have prayed here at this altar? And would you be willing to say, oh God, would you do it again? And would you do it again with me? 
You can give your entire life to building your financial portfolio, buying homes and building houses, fulfilling your career, and I thank God for all of our careers. But there's something that is happening with our young people. The Lord spoke to me about eight months ago and says, I'm going to call 100 young people from our youth group that will preach the gospel around the world. You will not go through the business line of going to college and finding out how I can do A, B, and C, but you're specifically going to be called to the mission field. You're going to be called to pastor and to lead churches. You're going to be called to lead worship. For the house is different. This is a revival center. This is a training center. It's a place of war. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the distracted. Toil, sweat, stress, weight, heaviness, pressure. I kid you not. Sleep with it every day. Every night. Every plane I get on. My release is when I preach. But when I come off the platform, the weight comes. Who will be at prayer tonight? Will we have enough to make the deposit? Are they doing okay? Are they tired? Then the text comes. She's got three weeks to live. Can you accommodate a special baptism for her? Right, Pastor Sherry? I embrace the climb. I embrace the weight. Because in the last five years, my eyes have seen some things and my ears have heard some things. And I'd never go back to normal again. I'd never go back to where I was. I'd, I'd rather die. I'd rather die. If you're looking for safety and calm, you're at the wrong house. <clears throat> if you're interested in chaos sometimes, and not bad chaos, but just chaos, and we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> if you're interested in the smell of staph infection and cancer in people's bodies, having to hoist people who have soiled clothes into some water so that they can meet Jesus. You're at the right house. If you're willing to labor and to lay your life down and to have your ear pierced, you're in the right house. It's unusual here. I recognize that. Join with caution. Join with caution. For it will cost you everything. But at the end, you will lose nothing and gain everything. Stand to your feet. Everybody under the age of 25, come to the front. Everybody under the age of 25, come to the front. I know that's a rough line for some of y'all. Y'all want to be 25, but. Scrunch in tight. The Lord knows 
Don't lie. Under the age of 20. Come on, keep coming. Come all the way over this way. Fill in the blanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Take a look at that picture. Well, anyway, it's not up. There it is. Take a look at that picture. Would you be willing to miss a movie night? They have no hope. I think one of the greatest prison ministries are gonna be birthed out of this place. We don't need an old wineskin, we need a new wineskin. Would you be willing to put your hands on that decaying flesh smells, that's rank. And would you be willing to cry because of the compassion you have for that individual? This move of the Spirit's going to be dirty. To hold a leper. To be on the farm field and bloated belly, flies in and out of their nose, in and out of their ears, and you hold them. You can't give them food at this point because it's too far beyond. It'd kill them. But you know they only have minutes to live. You hear what I'm saying? I'm busting the bubble. Christianity in America is a three-car garage and a portfolio that we can all just slide off into the sunset and have no responsibility. God's calling me to die and to give my life fully and completely to Him, to pierce my ear to the door. Gavin, will you go? Will you preach? Will you be teachable? Moldable? Shapeable? Will you live in the dark? Learn to be isolated? Not to build a ministry, but build a life?
Just one. Father, I feel your weight, the heaviness of this moment. There's some young men in the 30s model in front of these men how to be a good dad. How to be a good husband. How to preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. How to pray. I thank you, Lord, for our men in our 30s and 40s. Thank you, Lord, for the elders in their 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s in this room. Our women, our warriors. God, give us Dawsonville. God, give us Dawsonville. You said for us to ask of you for the nations. God, I ask for Dawson County High School. I ask for it. I ask for it, Lord. How many of you will gather at the flagpole? We do it once a year, you know the old days. Maybe every day. Five to ten minutes, kneel at the flagpole, rain, shine, cold. Oh God, would you do it again? Oh God, would you do it with me? Though none go with me, I still will go. Father, we need a baptism of fire. These young people need a baptism of fire, not a feeling, not an emotion, not to get through the week, but, oh, God, they need it. They said, you'll be either my witnesses. You would be willing to be my martyr, that type of power, oh, God. I pray grace and fire upon these young people. Not arrogance, but grace and fire. Grace and fire. Grace and fire, oh God. Come on, adults, let's pray for our young people right now. Lift your voices. Grace and fire. Pull out of a shipboard. Grace and fire. Band, come on up, if you will. Band, come quickly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's pray just a moment longer. We're about done. Just a moment longer. Come on, adults, pray. Give us Dawsonville. God, give us the high school. Give us the high school, Lord Jesus. 
May your light so shine, Lord Jesus. Come on, go ahead and tell him to pierce your ear. Tell him to pierce your ear. Take me to the door, God. Take me to the door. We love you, Lord, whatever you ask. Where are the educators? Come, if you're an educator, come quickly to the front. If you're an educator, I know I've been calling you out the last few weeks. I just want to bless you. I thank God for you. I just bless you. I thank God for you. If you're an educator, come to the front. We want to pray for you. He trained my hands for war. He trained my hands for battle. The rest of you come. The rest of you come, all of you. Come to this altar as quick as you can. Just come, press in. Get as tight as you can, everybody. Get as tight as you can. Everybody move. Everybody move. Just come to the altar. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He trains my hands for war. Come on. He trains my hands for battle. Thank you, Lord. He trains my hands for war. Pray. Pray. He trains my hands for battle. We pray for the kingdom of God to come to Dawsonville. Lord, we pray for the kingdom of God to come to the high school. God, we pray for a high school to be engulfed in revival fire. One teenager, one teenager. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah, come on. Three more minutes, three more minutes, and we're done. Three more minutes. Come on, pray. Three, three minutes, 180 seconds. God, give us, give us the high school. Your kingdom come, your will be done, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done, God. We push back darkness. We push back darkness. We make room for light, God. We make room for the light, God. We make room for the light, God. Angels, go forth. Even right now, prepare the way. Shabbat shalom. 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 Shabbat shalom.
Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trees my hands for battle. Shela la bosiemu. Father, I bless, I bless, I bless this gathering, oh God. I bless the Joabs. I bless the Esthers, the Debras, the Marys that have found favor. I bless the Davids. I bless the prophets, the Stevens. I bless them. Oh God, we embrace the climb. We embrace climb just one raise them up from Dawson God would you do it again and would you do it again with me and everybody in the house said amen all right blessed be the name of the Lord all right I will see you tonight at five o'clock for prayer don't miss it. Don't miss it. Six o'clock revival. Pastor Don Allen. Bless you guys. Have an incredible afternoon.